doing a series um, across these three mornings on seeds, yeast and bread and looking at Jesus and his kingdom through those three images, which he talked about a lot. And yesterday, if you weren't here, we looked at Jesus as a seed who falls into the ground and dies. And then in dying, he then rises and bears much fruit. And we talked about life is shaped like a comedy, like a smile, rather than like a tragedy, like a frown. And today we're gonna use the image of yeast, which is something Jesus talked about a surprising amount. And you might wonder why, I hope you in some ways do wonder why, but Jesus uses the word yeast more often than the words grace and church put together. Do you know what? I heard an audible gasp there. I'm very pleased with that. That was like a little ripple of surprise running around the room. It's very odd that he talks about yeast more than grace and church put together. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 33. And again, as we did yesterday, I will finish this and I'm gonna say, this is the word of God and you're gonna say, amen. But this time you're gonna say, amen, as if you mean it rather than like you did yesterday. There's a bit of a mumble. Um, but that might be because you're not used to it. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 33. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and it says here, mixed into, but I'm, the translation I'm gonna use is hid. A woman took and hid in about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable. And so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and hid in 60 pounds or 30 kilos of flour until it worked through the whole batch. That's what Jesus says the kingdom is like. And it's one of those parables that you very easily skip over because you don't really know what it means. You read it and you think, okay. Um, and then you just go on to the next parable and the next story, which you do understand. You've probably heard it before if you've been around the church a few years, but you might not have ever stopped to think, well, double click on it. Like, what do you mean? It's like yeast hidden in a flower. Why do you hide yeast in flour? What's going on there? So he just says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Firstly, that's, that's this stuff here, okay? Again, you won't be able to see it very easily, but you know, sort of little, it's like a, it's a fungus, right? Yeast is a fungus, it's a nice fungus, it's good. You use it for good purposes, but it's a fungus and it grows within the bread and causes it to rise. So he says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, like this stuff. And he says that a woman took. Now, by the by, Jesus loves telling stories about women. I don't know if you noticed, if you read other ancient writers, and I'm sure you all do, you read dozens of ancient writers, but when you do, you'll find how rare it is for invented stories, in fact, any stories to be about women. But Jesus does it all the time. In fact, sometimes it feels like he tells a story about a man and then immediately offsets it by telling a story about a woman. It says, you know, a kingdom of, you know, kingdom of God or God is like um, a, a guy who lost his sheep oh, and then it's actually also like a woman who lost her coin. Or praying is like a guy who does this, but it's also like a woman who badges a judge. She doesn't want to give her justice. He does it all the time. And this is one of those moments. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took. And then he says, and hid in about 30 kilograms of flour. Now, this is nowhere near 30 kilograms, but this is a bunch of dough that I prepared earlier. Um, and it's just a bit of a weird word to say, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and hid. That's not normally what you would do. I mean, some of, did anybody here, have we got any sourdough people? Any people who make sourdough? Did anyone get into making bread during lockdown? Can I see a, in fact, let's have a clapometer. If you made bread during lockdowns. 
that's actually pretty good. I did not. I'm inept. I'm terribly inept at this stuff. And if I tried to make bread, it would have turned into like a car or a, a, a sprout or something. But you, none of you, I expect, took hold of your, your bread and then would describe what you do with the yeast as hiding it, as if you're going, shh, don't tell anybody. Just a bit of a weird word to use. So why does Jesus say, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and hid in a lump and then so that it gradually leavened the whole thing? Why on earth is he talking like that? We'll come back to that. And then it says, and he, she hid it in there until it had worked its way through all the dough. In other words, the yeast is now sitting inside this lump and it's going to sit here gradually leavening it and by tomorrow morning it will have turned into bread. It'll gradually rise. Won't happen instantly. You can't see any change, can you? You don't even know it's in there. I could be lying for all you know, even though you've just seen me do it. But it doesn't look obviously any different. But the woman takes the yeast she hides it in the dough. This is what the kingdom's like. Hides it. Does this. Leaves it there. And then we're just going to get on and do something else. Meanwhile, the yeast is beginning to work through all the dough. Very slowly, invisibly, quietly, not flashily, it's very ordinarily. And Jesus says the kingdom is like that. The kingdom of heaven works like yeast. Not, you might say, like YouTube. The kingdom of heaven is mostly completely invisible. It's not noticed. It doesn't make headlines. It's even secret. It's hidden. It's quiet. It's slow. It's obscure. It's ordinary. In comparison to the way that our world often works, which you might call the vision of YouTube, which is obviously big and spectacular. And the kingdom, by and large, is not like that. Now, there are a couple of passages in which you see the kingdom, some dramatic breakthrough. We'll talk about that as well in a moment. But basically, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that gets hidden in dough and then remains there, just very slowly leavening it until you look round a while later and go, oh, wow, it's, it's caused it to rise. That's what the kingdom's like, he says. And that is really great news for all of you. It's really good news for you. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. It's not like YouTube. So let me tell you why I think it's great news and particularly for teenagers, okay? The world we live in, and you don't need me to tell you this, I expect, is obsessed with the new, attention-grabbing things. Things that are big, flashy, surprising, unexpected, funny, sudden, spectacular. That's how people get clicks. That's how you get traffic. That's how you get follows and likes and engagement and ultimately money. That's what's, going, that's what's powering much of the world that you and I live in. If it isn't dramatic and sudden and attention grabbing, no one will click on it, which means no one at the end gets paid. And therefore the economy that you are part of and the reason people are trying to get you to stare at that thing that you spend so much time on is because they're trying to make sure that your eyes are on this thing because as long as your eyes are on that thing, someone's making money somewhere and therefore they have to make it spectacular. And Jesus says, oh yeah, the kingdom's not like that. Kingdom's hidden. Just gradually leavening a lump. Now in the sort of world that we're in, perception matters more than reality. I'm trying to explain why it's good news for you that the kingdom's like that and not like the click world because in the click world in the world we're in 
perception matters a lot more than reality. What you, whether or not you are actually making a difference matters less than whether or not you seem to be making a difference. That's what powers the world. In the end, no one knows whether the person on the screen is actually doing any good with their life or whether or not they're violent at home or whether or not they can control themselves in various important ways. They don't know that. All they know is what they see on the screen. So the perception matters more than the reality. But obviously there's a bunch of problems with a world that is powered that way. One of the things, one of the problems with it for you, given that we live in this world, is that most of us are not spectacular. Most of our lives are not attention grabbing. They're not dramatic. No one is gonna make a program about them or make a clip about them or write a book about them. They're just not that kind of thing. You and I are very ordinary. Most of what we do in a day and in a lifetime is really ordinary. Eating, drinking, sleeping, laughing, walking, learning, hanging out with friends, talking. That's what our life is, almost all of it. Occasionally something will happen that you feel is like, that's a story. I could make a video of that, but the vast majority of your life is not like that. And neither's mine. So it's kind of good news to know that the kingdom's like that and not like flashy. There are plenty of organizations that appear to be doing, particularly like when you get a, a big sudden campaign and the organizations that seem to be doing great things and everyone gets very excited about them. But then a few years later, someone does a study and it's written, hidden in a boring journal somewhere, but eventually it says, yeah, this raised all this money, everyone got very excited and it didn't actually do any good. Meanwhile, the people who did do something good were the people you've never heard of because they were there before it became fashionable, they're there long after it stopped being fashionable and they're just plugging away. And that's what really helped, not the thing that you've heard of. You probably, if you're aware enough and spend a lot of time online, you have probably even lived long enough to have seen some of those causes come and go and you may even know, oh yeah, that is a phenomenon, that's a thing. There are plenty of organizations that really do good things that I've never heard of, and the ones I have may not be the ones that are really, really cutting it. Perception can trump reality so much that the reality really suffers. What, this is my favorite example of this. Has anybody heard of the Fire Festival? Has anybody seen a documentary about it or heard of it? Very few, okay, this is a good story, okay? So this was the ad for the Fire Festival. It was, it was basically a, about three or four years ago, they did it, maybe five. They did a, a big festival in a Caribbean island. They promoted it with this incredibly elaborate campaign. They got loads of supermodels there, loads of musicians there. And they said, this is just gonna be the big thing that you're all gonna wanna come to. And loads of influencers Instagrammed about it. And it all, the internet went crazy for a while. And loads of people bought really, really expensive tickets to go out and spend time on this Caribbean island with all of these incredibly glamorous people in an island that they were told used to belong to a drug dealer. And it was all very, very, the perception was amazing. I mean, look at it, it looks beautiful. The reality did not turn out that way. The reality was far more squalid than your camping conditions at New Day, even if you only slept two hours last night. The reality was like this. It basically turned out that they had no infrastructure and the island completely imploded on the weight of it. There, was no, there were no toilet blocks, there was no drainage. It was an absolute fiasco. People ended up living in those weird space pod type things. And that picture on the right is a picture of a cheese sandwich that was being served. And of course, there were a handful of people there who were like, most people there had spent thousands and were going, this is the worst event ever. And there were a handful of really smug people going, this is the best thing ever because this is just gonna be a story that exposes the sham of Instagram influencer culture. And they're gonna make Netflix documentaries about it, which they have. 
It's quite a good example of what I'm talking about. That the perception trumps the reality because the perception is really dramatic and flashy and exciting and stimulating. The reality doesn't deliver. But the thing is that if what is matters more than what seems to be, right? you see in the fire festivals, what seems to be matters more than what is. But if it's the other way around in reality, and Jesus says, yeah, if what is happening matters more than what looks like it's happening, and if most of us are not going to be sensationally attractive or beautiful or famous or rich, then the hidden, ordinary steadiness of the kingdom of God is really, really good news. You see, if you are, maybe some of you are, dazzlingly rich, sensationally attractive, groundbreakingly intelligent, then maybe you do want the world to be like YouTube because you'll profit from it. But the vast majority of us, I hate to be the one to tell you this, are actually really, really ordinary. We're not unusually. You put me in a lineup, no one's going to go, that guy's really good looking. No one's going to go, oh, that guy's really rich. Just like ordinary people. But the kingdom of God works through ordinary means ordinary habits, ordinary people, gradually hidden. No one's ever heard of them, no one writes about them and they end up gradually over a very long period of time working their way through the lump until the entire loaf is leavened. If you are, you are ordinary and I am and I think you probably are too, you want the kingdom of God to be like yeast, not like YouTube. You want who you are to matter more than who you seem to be. You want the hidden to matter more than the Instagrams. Bing! You want the most important things in life to come through slow, steady transformation, not dramatic, epic, everything is awesome type headlines. And Jesus says, they do. That's exactly how the kingdom comes. It comes through ordinary means and ordinary people. The kingdom of God is like yeast which a woman took and hid inside 30 kilograms of flour until it had worked through all the dough. Not the kingdom of God is like a social media account that, or a business or an app that blew up on its first day, got a billion hits and then six months later crashed without trace. That's not what the kingdom is like. The kingdom of God is like a benevolent fungus being hidden inside a bunch of flour and spreading so slowly in patience and obscurity that you can't even tell it's changing it until the whole batch has risen. And historically speaking, that's what happened. Jesus came into the world like yeast. No one, almost no one knew who he was. Even by that time he died, he had 120 followers. Jesus came like yeast, not like YouTube. God came to this earth like yeast, not like YouTube. He didn't come tearing up the sky and going, behold, I am here. God come to save you. Everybody become Christians at once and all go home. He came hidden, obscure. And the rule of God that he set in place gradually transformed the ancient world over hundreds of years. And the same is true today, actually. The kingdom of God has gradually transformed my life over three decades. I'm 44 now, there are some glorious breakthrough moments in that, those 30 years. I'm grateful for them. Actually, my prayer has been, as many of, us, many of ours has, that New Day is one of those moments for you. I, I hope, I pray, have prayed, that last night was a glorious breakthrough moment for some of you. I love breakthrough moments. I speak at youth events, of course I do, but I also have lived long enough and have reflected on the kingdom enough to know that by and large, that's not how most of the most important things in your life take place. 
Most of them are not a big bang. Most of them are like yeast, where the kingdom just gradually leavens your life and those breakthroughs take place with God hiding his word in your heart and his rule over the world in your life and beginning the slow, gradual process of changing your loves, the things that you love, changing your desires, the things you want, changing your habits, the things you do, changing your feelings and your choices. That's how the kingdom of God comes. There are moments, I'm not denying the breakthroughs, but saying the vast majority of the things that God does in your life are gonna happen in ways that pretty much no one else who, does, who doesn't know you very, very well would even know were happening. That's just what happens. The kingdom of God is like yeast. And he changes you mostly with five minutes of prayer there. Where before you didn't used to pray, now you pray for five minutes in the morning. With a refusal to gossip there. When everyone else in your circle gossips, it's just what we do. You say, I'm not gonna speak about her like that unless I would say it like that in front of her face. With a decision to be open with someone about your struggle with pornography. Where you say, I'm struggling with that. No one knows. I just think I need to tell someone. So I can be open. I wanna be transparent. This is a challenge for me. And I need the rule of God to permeate through this bit of my life. And at the moment, it's secret. It's hidden so no one knows it's there. Well, the kingdom of God is gonna change my habit and I'm gonna begin to be open about that. And that's all it is. And it might take you a few minutes a week to talk to someone about how it's going in the early days. The kingdom of God is mostly full of very, very ordinary things like that. And that's brilliant news for you. God loves ordinary life. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. In Genesis 1, when God creates the world, all the things he makes are really ordinary stuff from your point of view or mine. Days, nights, land, sea, sky, plants, animals, sex, eating, travel, ordinary life. God made it all and he said, it's good. And then he made you and he said, now it's very good. And the devil came into the garden and said, it's not enough. It's not enough. God said, it's good. The devil said, seriously? I don't, I, I don't think you're shooting high enough, human beings. I think you need to shoot higher than you are until you are like God and you have the knowledge of good and evil. God said, it's all good. Satan said, ah, not good enough. I want something extra. And in the main, the world follows the snake rather than the creator. In the main, the world says, I'd rather be anything but ordinary please. And the kingdom of God says, no, this world is good. I made it. I love it. You're in it. And actually you're ordinary too. And if we're not careful, the church can line up with the world rather than God in the same way. We can sound more like YouTube than yeast if we're not careful. We want our, our, our testimony. That's why I love these two guys who've got up and shared their story in these first two mornings. What strikes me, I know Brandon used to play for Crystal Palace, but basically he's a very ordinary person. And he's talking about how his life is just made of ordinary things. And he said, God can carry you through your sins. He can carry you through your successes. And yesterday again, uh, was it Jonathan, I think, was sharing. And again, he had a very ordinary story. And you're waiting for the big sort of, wow, what's the big story? And it's like, yeah, I just, I lived a Christian life. Now we, don't, we often, if we're honest, we don't want our story to be quite as ordinary as that. We go, I want my story to be, uh, so yeah, I, um, I shot the president while I was in jail and on drugs and then God saved me. And actually most of us 
Our story is more ordinary than that. And some of us, it's really ordinary. Some of, there are many of you, if you were honest, your story would be something like, well, I, my mum and dad followed Jesus and I saw that it you know, changed their lives and I started trusting Jesus as a child and I've had moments and I've sinned and I've had to ask for forgiveness and I've not always done that well. But basically, I've broadly believed in God my whole life and Satan has been trying to take me out for the last five years and it hasn't succeeded and I'm still here. Praise God. If that's your story, that's not far off my story. It's very similar to my wife's story. It's just it's been happening for 30 years now rather than three. I think my wife would tell her story like, I started trusting God as a child and Satan's been trying to take me out for 25 years with all kinds of problems, doubt, suffering, opposition, fear, challenges in health and the family. But through all of those things, Jesus has kept me safe and I love that guy. That's her story. It may be yours. The kingdom of God is like a teenager who got up this morning, wiped the gunk out of their eyes, prayed a bit, ate breakfast, took a shower, was kind to a friend, sang, listened, played some games, played some sport, felt tired, drank a milkshake, went to sleep. That's the kingdom. That's how it works. It's for you. It's not just for exceptional people. It's ordinary. And the way God changes your life is ordinary as well. And if that's true, if the kingdom of God is like yeast, not YouTube, and if it's hidden and ordinary rather than dramatic and spectacular, then that helps us in a bunch of different ways. I just mentioned three very quickly. One is that it helps you avoid being distracted by the exceptional. The exceptional is that just that, it's exceptions. Our culture overvalues unusual things for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Celebrities, people you've heard of, are mostly unusual. That's why you've heard of them. They are unusually beautiful or unusually talented at something or unusually articulate or sometimes just unusually prepared to do moronic things in order to get on television. It's easy to get distracted by that as if that's the norm of life or let that shape your expectations for your lives. And that can bring feelings of failure if your expectations are not met because you feel like, I thought my life would be that and it's actually this. Jesus said, it was always gonna be this and that's great. God loves this. You don't have to be that. One of the best bits of advice I ever got was as a young pastor, my wife and I went to see an older pastoral couple and we said, we're just really floundering because we can see these other couples of our kind of age who are just amazing. They do this and this and this. He does that, she does that. They're just amazing. They don't seem to miss a beat. How do we become more like that or whatever it was? And the, the guy, I'll never forget it. The guy just leant across, he was sitting in a house in Sussex and the guy leant across and he said, oh, you can't compare yourself with freaks. He said, can't compare yourself with freaks. Just stupid. Those people are freaks. That's fine. He said, I spent my whole life looking at freaks, thinking, how am I not more like them? He said, don't worry about it. You can't compare yourself with freaks. You've got to realize you're ordinary. That's good. Crack on. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. The second thing that it, way it helps you is that it helps you practice contentment. Now, contentment gets a bad rap in our world because, again, a lot of people make money out of you not being content. Their goal is, if I can... They, corporations in this world... And again, I used to work for a huge multi-billion pound corporation. I've got nothing against corporations. But corporations are often powered by the sense that you need to be kept discontented with what you have because in the gap between your contentment and our product is money. And so they don't want you to be contented. And actually, corporations are horrified by the idea that one day you might say what the Apostle Paul said, which is, 
I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. That's a disaster for a big corporate or an advertising agency or a marketing company. But that's actually the nature of the Christian life. Is to pre- most, the happiest people in the world are all contented people. They're people who effectively have learned how to be more thankful for what they have than grumbly about what they don't. And they are more aware of what they have than aware of what they don't. And they are motivated more by love than by frustration and wanting more. And if you know that the kingdom of God is like yeast, hidden, gradual, ordinary, obscure, you can be grateful for God's gifts and be patient with God's plans and you can trust God's commitment to see them all through in his own time. You don't spend all your time waiting for the big breakthrough. If that happens, big breakthrough, you give thanks for it. You say, thank you, Lord, that you have done this in my life. And then in the meantime, you rejoice in ordinary, everyday, yeasty gifts on a daily basis. And the third way it helps is it helps you make good long-term decisions. Because in friendships and families and eventually marriages and career choices, life is far more about yeast than it is about YouTube stuff. It's much more about gradual hidden ordinary transformation than big dramatic moments. And if you embrace the fact that God works that way, you won't waste your life waiting for the next big thing. The theologian Michael Horton says, for a Christian, the next big thing is the return of Christ. That's the next big thing. You don't have to spend your life chasing it. Jesus is coming. It's okay. In the meantime, the kingdom of heaven is doing this and you can't see it and that's just fine. Friends, The kingdom of God is more like yeast than YouTube. The kingdom of God is like yeast which a woman took and hid in 30 kilograms of flour until it had worked through all the dough. That's how God's kingdom transformed the world and that's how God's kingdom transforms you. When you repent of your sins and you trust in Jesus and you get baptized in water, he puts his Holy Spirit in you and gradually and yet certainly he changes your heart and your hopes and your habits. The dough is you and me, and in fact, indeed the world, full of squidgy potential, but lacking in life. And the yeast is Christ and his kingdom, hidden inside, spreading, multiplying, and causing the whole loaf to rise. He's the treasure. You and I are the jars of clay. We are the vessels, he brings the power. We're the dough, he is the yeast. We do amazing things in this life, yet not we, but Christ who is in us. And he doesn't stop until his yeast has worked through all the dough in your life and all the dough in this world and the entire loaf of you and this world will be risen every last thought and fragment of your day, every last habit, every last addiction, every last pattern of behavior, every last atom in the universe is gonna get yeasted, transformed, risen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Again, we use our physical bodies to engage, okay? So just, we're not gonna raise our hands this way because that's tiring, right? Very practical. Raise your hands this way. If you're, if you're a foreign, you don't have to do this. I can't make you, but it's a good way to respond. The psalmists do this all the time. Let's use our bodies to respond. Just open your arms out like this. Holy Father, we thank you for a kingdom that is already mightily at work in the lives of thousands of young people here and yet which almost no one can see.
Thank you for the hidden power of the kingdom of God. Thank you for the power of the rising that comes into our lives when we encounter Jesus Christ. Thank you for the gift of grace that is Jesus, our Redeemer, who gradually transforms our life, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Thank you for the power of the kingdom at work in hidden, obscure ways. And I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that not as much as we wanna have great encounters now, that the kingdom of God would still be doing its work on grim Tuesdays in November, just as they are, just as it is right now and that you would not stop in their lives until the whole yeast, the whole loaf, the whole life has fully been risen by the power of God. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.